Welcome to episode 37 of the Telenopoly podcast. Today we'll be talking about scalable marketing techniques and tactics. I'm your host, Jared Brown, and I'm joined by Brandy Corbin. Hello. And our guest on this episode is David Navacht. How's it going, Dave? Good. How are you? Good. Thanks for being on here. Before we get into what we're drinking, I want to make a quick mention of the the uber awesome Talentopoly job board. We've got a few really cool jobs on here, one of which is Web Architect, building highly scalable solutions from scratch. The company is Interactive Intelligence. The location is Raleigh, North Carolina, but you can uh, work remotely for this one. So go check that out uh, and click the apply button if it looks interesting to you. They're doing some stuff with WebOS. (laughs) WebOS. <laughs> they got WebOS yes. in there. I saw that. Yeah. Graham? Is that what they're calling it now? Graham, I think? That's um, the new open source project. They just got, uh, HP just got gr.am. Okay. Yeah. I know. It's, it's all based is... on WebOS and developing for the open source version yeah. of it, it and, which is awesome. Isn't that killer? That is cool. And Enyo yeah. looks really cool. I'm actually wanting to play with Enyo soon. Yeah. I know Enyo is kind of stands on its own these days as a web frame, as a JavaScript framework deal, but. Pretty cool stuff. And Windows 8 as well. So they're doing all kinds of cool stuff. What I thought was really neat about this job position is that you actually are really given a leadership role. And they want people to come in here and come in with new ideas and and want to play with these technologies that are more bleeding edge and you know not just your standard .NET, Java, C++. You, know, you, you really can try a lot of different things. So it's cool stuff. All right. What are you drinking, Brandon? I'm having wine, and as any good wine connoisseur should know, I have no idea what the name of it is. I don't even know what type of grape it is. It's a white, and it's the same one that I talked about last time that my wife will drink. And mm, I, But okay. I can't tell you what the name is. It's some French name, so I'm not even going to try. It's good. Buy it. Get it. It's take your clothes off winery, right? Exactly. That's all <laughs> that matters. Awesome. And what are you drinking, Dave? I have uh, Gentleman Jack gone. Very nice choice. Yeah. So, do you do you put ice cubes in that? I do. Have you seen those whiskey stones? No. They're, I've got some of these. I got them for Christmas. I was so excited to get these. Uh, they're actual stones, and they come in like this little velvet pouch. Looks all classy and everything. And you just put them in your freezer, leave them in there, and then when you have a drink like that that you don't want to dilute, just grab those stones and throw them in there, and it keeps keeps it real cold for a long time. That makes sense, but. Uh, I prefer it. I prefer, I prefer the you know the water, the dilution. Oh, okay. So, like, are you using over 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 time? I'm kind of a geek about this. Like, are you using filtered water to make your ice cubes? <laughs> no, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. Okay. Right on. Uh, I am actually not drinking alcohol for the first time in many episodes. I'm just drinking a Red Bull and trying to stay awake since I have a five week old at home and. Uh, it's been a little rough lately, but hopefully the Red Bull will kick in. All right, let's get into our topic. Uh, Dave, if you would, just kind of give us a little bit of background about yourself and what you do for your day job that, you know, kind of relate, you know, how does that relate to our topic of marketing tactics and internet marketing? Uh, yeah, um, I, uh, I started online back in, I don't know, 2003, 2004, right out of college. Um, and, uh, started a golf company and kind of grew that up and, you know, through the process, met some people and ended up, um, you know, as things would have it ended up, uh, starting this or kind of taking over purchasing this company called Linkvana 
and I run that now, um, linkvana.com and, and we, uh, we basically, you know, we do everything as, for online marketing, um, you know, to, to help online marketers and, and internet marketers scale what they're, what they're doing, um, make it easy on them. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's like, it's, it takes a lot of time, things like that. So, uh, we try to, we try to help them, um, get good stuff done at a relatively quickly, quick, quick, you know, pace. Cool. So let, let's back up real quick there. So you, right out of college, you start a golf video business, right? Yeah. And that, and that went pretty well, right? I mean, they kind of blew up for you. Yeah, it went, uh, we, yeah, uh, <laughs> year, year and a half. I mean, we were doing, you know, over a million in sales. So, Oh, that's awesome. And so I'm imagining you internet marketing was a big piece of that, right? Everything. Okay. hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. So how, what can, what connect, like connect the dot from that to the dot of Linkvana? How did you find out about Linkvana and were you using other services like that when you were, when you were doing the golf business? Yeah, we were actually using Linkvana. Uh, that's how I knew about them. And, um, uh, a buddy of mine, um, was talking about buying the company and, um, so he kind of brought me on board to run it. Um, and so now, I mean, ever that was in 2009. Um, and you know, he just, he, you know, through, through the golf stuff, he, he understood that I knew, you know, how to run a web-based company. Um, therefore, you know, he kind of gave me the position. Very cool. Okay. So when you're doing internet marketing, what, what types of goals do you set? What are you trying to achieve at the outset of doing a, you know, for a brand new product for your inter- internet marketing strategy? Uh, depends on what you're trying to do. I mean, you know, um, but I mean, what we're going to talk about tonight you know, is, is how to, how to build up, uh, web-based properties that will, uh, more or less introduce your brand and, and your business, your startup, whatever it is, um, to potential prospects. Um, and the goal is to, is to have as many of these as possible and as many, uh, different keywords that, that, uh, your prospects could be, uh, typing in. Very cool. And so when you've got, let's talk a little bit as well, cause I think it relates well to goals when you do get this traffic. So step number one is you want to, you want to drive traffic to the site that's selling your product or your service, whatever it is. Right. Then what do you want to do with that traffic once it gets to your site? What's like the number uh, well, one goal? Your your main site. So your main your main converting site. So like uh, let's just say you know a startup software startup called you know X Y Z whatever it is. Um, you know that that site needs to be built around um, you know selling the software that it sells. Right. Um, for that to happen, you've got to do all kinds of stuff. You know, uh, real professional marketing, real real professional um, you know content. Um, Look and feel all that stuff. Uh, the secondary properties, the properties that actually send you the traffic, don't need to be quite so professional. They need to really rank well in the search engines, and and you need to have a ton of them out there, right? So that's what that's where like kind of the scalability comes in, right? Okay. So you know the goal, I guess you know what you want to have on those secondary sites that are driving the traffic to your main converting site is you need to have lead lead capture forms. You know, uh, typically name, email address. Um, you know, even first name. Sometimes even only a email address. 
Um, and then you've got that lead that you can then, or, or, you know, it could just be a link that you just send, or it could be a video, even, you know, these days, um, you know, it could be just, um, you know, uh, the name of your company and they'll just Google it real quick and then boom, they're there. I mean, I find myself doing that many times. Okay. That's interesting. So the secondary sites, you sounds like you want to get them to sign up for the, you know, sign their email up so that you can then market to them directly. Right. Or, or they watch uh, yeah. the video or, right. but, but that's not your number one goal on your primary site. No. Well, yeah, it is on the primary site as well. Okay. Um, like, would you rank that? So you put the buy now button and you've got the email sign up on your, on your main page, which mm-hmm. one is higher pri- priority or do you put them on like right next to each other? How, like spell that out a little bit. Um, I, you know, you'd have to look at the offer, but like it, it you know, it totally depends. It really does depend on what you're trying to sell, but, but typically, um, a lead these days on the internet is worth, um, you know, you, if you say you've got a thousand people to the site, right. I'd rather go with the email address first so that I've, I can capture those leads than try to sell the product, you know, buy now button. Um, people don't buy on the first visit these days. Not, not, not very many, at least. Okay. Do you have, do you have numbers like, uh, of what that kind of trend is for today? Roughly. Uh, yeah, well, like how know, many some, visits? Some people can, some people are killing it, you know I mean? But some people are, some, some sites really have to go, um, for, the email conversion first. They're both a conversion. I mean, the, you, know, yeah, the, yeah. you know, the email isn't always easy to get either. Um, so, I mean, you know, typically, you know, so let's say this, you know, you know, a web opt-in form should convert um, anywhere between like, you know, eight and 15%. Okay. Um, and it, uh, you know, a buy now button, if you're just, if you're just sending traffic to a cold traffic to, which means traffic that doesn't really know who you are, um, to a, um, to a site, um, you know, 0.5%, I mean, anywhere from 0.5%, I mean, some, some, you know, you can do 2%, um, like lots of businesses that, that are driven by affiliate programs that get most of the traffic from affiliate programs, um, find that that traffic is pre-sold. Mm-hmm. Um, so the conversion rate is going to be a lot higher. I mean, we have, we have, you know, we run lots of pages, um, on our sites that are, you know, converting at 5% from visitor to buyer. Um, and we even do some that are doing, you know, 25%. If you have a, if you have a, uh, you know, a specific offer for, from a specific affiliate, for example, and you can match that, um, you can match that, um, that offer to exactly what that other person is sending the traffic. So they've pre-sold them. And then the, the visitor gets to your site and they say, yeah, this is the same thing. This is what I want. Boom. Um, you can get really high conversions that rate, but you know, if you're talking about just search traffic, people that don't know you, right. Um, you know, uh, in general, the email is, is much better to get. Very cool. Okay. Okay. So you mentioned sending warm traffic and sounds like using these converting sites there. Or I mean, these secondary sites is a good way to warm up that traffic, right? Because they'll land on those pages, and then they, the, it, and it's supposed to look somewhat unbiased, right? Maybe it's a write up about the product, looking like it's a blogger that wrote it. Is that right? Sure. I mean, you could do it that way. You, I mean, you could do it that way. Uh, you really could. Could you know? You could. Uh, you could get. Um, you know, college kids to put these things up for you and, and give your product away for free, and really, you know, do it legit and give them 
you know, uh, they, they have an honest opinion about your product that they're going to put out and you pay them for that. Right. Okay. Um, so whatever, you know what I mean? You could do, you could do hundreds of those, you know? So, so how would you scale that? How can I do hundreds of that? How do I find, have you done something like that? Uh, yeah. I mean, we, I mean, we don't, yeah. I mean, it's fairly common. So how can I scale that? How can I get hundreds of those built? Cause here's the problem. And, and so let me just paint the big picture here about this topic and why we, why we're talking about scalability, because uh-huh. a lot of times, uh, developers like myself, you know, we've got these pet projects. We're really proud of them. We've got high hopes for it, but they're just that they're pet projects. These aren't our full-time jobs. Uh, we right. don't have all the time in the day to promote these things. So it's those few precious hours at night when maybe, you know, the kids are in bed, maybe the wife's gone to sleep and you've got an hour or two to try to promote your site, try to promote your product because you understand that you do need to promote it. So half the battle is how do you do it? And then the other half is how can I scale this so I only have to spend a few hours a week on my tactics? And that's what that's why we're talking about scaling. But so how can I scale like what you talked about, getting hundreds of college kids and paying them to write blog posts? Uh, you know, um, there, there's, there's basically, there, there's a few really large sites and it doesn't have to be college kids. I mean, it could be, it could be anything that you can, anybody that you can get at a decent, um, hourly rate uh, or a scalable hourly rate. Right. So at that, I say anything, you know, pretty much under 10 bucks an hour, um, which, you know, there's, there's millions of people out there that are willing to work for those wages. So the question is how do you find them? And they're, they're just, um, you know, it's almost a question these days of, you know, how do you not find them? I mean, there's, um, you know, there's Elance, Odesk, um, online jobs, PH. Now the, the, I'm, I'm kind of getting away from the college kids into like the, into more of the, uh, international workers. Right. Right. Um, but I mean, but the, but the bottom line is that these people, um, know English and, and can write it very well. Um, and they will do this for you all day long, every day. And, and some of them specialize in that, right? Sure. Yeah. So that, that's pretty cool. I haven't ever tried that, but that does sound interesting. What are some other types of, uh, secondary sites? We've mentioned blogs now. What are some other things that I can put up that can point back to my main site? Uh, you know, like, um, you can have, you know, YouTube channels, you can have Twitter accounts, you can have, um, you know, you can have, uh, wordpress.com sites, meaning not, not that you install in your server, but, but that is actually run on wordpress.com. Um, there's, there's tons of these web 2.0 sites out there, you know, uh, Tumblr, you know, um, just, all of these sites that have built-in authority that that Google will rank a little bit higher than just a, a, a domain that you buy off of GoDaddy, right? Um, from day one, that has no authority. Um, you put up a YouTube channel, um, and for that same effort, you're going to get more bang for your buck because they're going to rank YouTube high. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're not going to really rank a channel, right? But they're going to rank those videos. Okay. How uh, how's uh, how is uh, Google Penguin um, going to affect all this? Do you think? Um, I don't think it has an effect on. I, I think all this stuff that I'm talking about is positive for Penguin related stuff. Um, okay. Penguin's okay. more like an anchor text uh, type um, algorithm, where where you don't want to be hammering your main site anymore with tons of uh, links from 
um, you know, say for example, um, foreign profiles. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And keyword stuffing and, and right. Cloaking. Okay. All right. But you can put a YouTube channel up and then hammer that with those old link, you know, the older link building tactics, right? Uh, you can. Yeah. I, I mean, I, you know, I don't claim to be the number one authority on this in the world, but I mean, you, you, you can definitely do that. I know people that do that very successfully, uh, you know, and you can even hit, you know, you could hit like, for example, you started, you have a, uh, uh, somebody working for you for, you know, five bucks an hour. How many, how many Tumblr sites do you think they could put up in, in a day, you know, eight hours, like, you know, maybe, you know, six or seven, right? every single keyword that you're, I mean, not every single keyword, but let's just take a small topic of, um, you know, say just golf, for instance, that's what I know. So golf swing, golf tips, you know, uh, golf, Indianapolis, all kinds of stuff. Right. And, um, put up, you know, one page site on Tumblr, um, or wordpress.com. And then you could throw a lot of links to that. And so, do these have custom domains or are these subdomained off of Tumblr? Subdomain. And that you, just straight up the way. Yeah, why just not the just way. do one Tumblr blog versus the you know seven? Well, there's an argument about what is better there. Um, the more the bigger your site these days, the more authority. I mean, like Google's favoring larger sites now, but the thing is, is that um, they also like very niche content. It's kind of like a catch twenty two. Um, so I personally like to, to niche the content around the keyword, um, or niche the site around the keyword that is, um, and then you can always add on more and more, um, articles onto the back end of your Tumblr site, right. Um, around that specific keyword. Do these, so when you guys do it through Linkvana, are the login credentials, uh, shared back so that the person who's paying for it could log in at some point in the future or share those login details with another worker so that more can be posted on there. Yeah. No, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Cool. And so like, just for example, like we, we set that up with the content. So 400 words with content is, um, 10 bucks and it's good content. And sometimes it has a YouTube video and that kind of thing on it. And content's kind of the name of the game now, right? That's kind of what Google's valuing the most. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, well, they, you know, they still love links. I mean, they still love links, you know, okay. links is still kind of the name of the game, but, uh, the content, the thing is the content is like a prerequisite, you know, so you have to have the content or else you're, you're not going to, you can't just before you used to be able to rank a site with, with, um, with just links. And, and now it's like, you know, they need to see that, that good quality content before they're going to give your site, these high rankings, but one post on the blog is enough. That's good enough. Uh, no, it's really not. I mean, it, it's enough to get you a good, good start, you know, and it's enough to rank for a lot of long, very long tail keywords. So you're not going to rank for golf swing in my previous example. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes. All right. So is there anything else you want to mention about these secondary sites and driving traffic to the primary before we just get deeper into content generation? Um, no, not really. Not really. Okay. Let's, let's talk more about content generation. Cause that's really, you know, I hear that mentioned a lot and I've, you know, I see some of the stuff on inbound.org or SEO Moz talking about, 
you know, why it's so important to have a blog and why it's important to write good content. Google will love that and rank you highly. But, and we've talked about hiring workers. Are there other ways like video? This one you mentioned with YouTube. How do I scale that? You know, how do I do a bunch of video? I don't have the time to create all these videos or even necessarily the know-how. Yeah. Uh, videos is definitely the hardest one of the bunch. I mean, te- you know, it's, you take content, right? So you've got, you got text and you've got all different kinds of text. You've got, you know, press releases, blog posts, um, web content, uh, you know, just all kinds of text, right? And then you've got um, video and then you've got images. And those are really, that's really the, the, the gamut as far as content goes, right? I mean, it doesn't really, you can't really do anything other than that. Um, in terms of creating content. So, so yeah, video, I mean, video is the hardest one of the bunch. Um, but you can still go out and find somebody that's willing to do this work and, and a specialist in this work for, again, a, a very low hourly rate. I mean, you can get a video, for example, you can get a video for 15, 15 bucks, you know, and I'm talking like, um, fairly low quality, but the key is just that it's unique. So somebody takes like, um, you know how it works. Like somebody takes like an image, images, and makes like a slideshow. Put some put some uh, music over the top of it, and like your brand, and you know, it, you know that kind of thing, right? Okay. But but that's but that's fine though, because that's a video that will still work for you. Now, like I said though, that's not going to really. Um, the goal of that particular kind of content is not to really, truly, truly sell your your your, uh, potential customers on your business. Um, the goal of that is to simply introduce and, and, and rank high in the engines so that you even have a chance. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. But some people also could see it and then click through and maybe go to your primary site as well. Right. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. That That's the goal. Yeah. What are some, uh, so and some people could see it, I mean, for that matter, while we're talking about it, some people could see it and say, this is crap, and click off. Right. Maybe it turns them off to the brand. Right. Yeah, totally. You know, and that, but, that's the thing. But, that's, but, that's, but that's okay, though, because you can't please everyone, and, you, you know, you're, at least you're at the top. What are some places I can go to? What are some sites where I can get these videos made? Uh, well, like, uh, Fiverr has people for, you know, they'll, they'll do it. Um, Odesk. Um, Odesk, you can get anything on Odesk you want. For I mean, but the the pro, the issue with Odesk really is um, sometimes you have to. I mean, you've got to give a lot of guidance to people on Odesk. Um, you know, there's 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 um, Animoto. I don't know if you heard of that one, but it's uh, it it helps you produce those those quick and easy videos um, that are a little bit lower quality, but you can do them real fast. So is this something I'm trying to figure out because you're saying the videos are kind of low quality, you know, they could drive people away. Is it something I really should spend time on? Should I hire people and do this? Should it this be part? I mean, do I need to do that plus all these other things or can I just focus on blogs and focus on a few key things? Uh, today in today's, you know, today's world, you really have to have a really diverse approach if you want to really do well. Okay. So this is something I can't just say, you know, this kind of sounds messy and I'm not quite sure about, you know, I, I just need to do it. I got to bite the bullet, hire some people, make some videos, start that YouTube channel, and I should be doing this. 
You, I think I, I'm a proponent of doing all of this, definitely. Okay. Because, I mean, if you're not doing, like, you know, if you don't have a video up for your brand, I think you're missing out. At least one video, you know? Right. I mean, that's that's the reality of it, right? And, and it, for that matter, I think you should have, you know, 25 videos for different keywords that you want to rank for. Have you done this type of stuff, Brandon? Have you, like, done blogs to help promote your stuff or, or – done video creation you know, I've, I've never done video creation um i've done blogs and i've done fiverr for content generation um but yeah i've never did videos and i should have and i should feel <laughs> bad <laughs> what do you what do you what do you feel about that bro i mean do you do you is that what you feel brandon uh, yeah, 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 absolutely. I think um, I because I know I've done videos for like when I was when I was doing Adafi, I did use I did use some videos that way to drive some traffic. And it is it's just it's such a, you know, Google's obviously, you know, putting those things so high up on the pages now that that not doing it is silly. Um, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I, I and, and I probably will be once once I'm ready to start driving some traffic to different things that I'm working on. So, um but yeah, I you know, Fiverr was great. I used Fiverr a lot. I, I had people in Fiverr. I, I had a few people do videos for me. I had them write blog posts for me. Um, I had a couple people transcribe my podcast. One dude transcribed a four, five-minute podcast for five bucks. Um, he wouldn't do it again, but he did a decent job. How'd you find uh, them? That was on Fiverr. Wow. Dude, Fiverr's crazy. I mean, people will do some of the craziest stuff on Fiverr. <laughs> the, the, the question, Jared, really today, the question is, how do you not find them? I mean, just a little bit of effort, you can find a lot of people willing to do a lot of stuff. I think about the Mechanical Turk, right? I use Mechanical Turk for, I mean, the, I mean, tell me your deep, dark secret, and I'll give you 25 cents or 5 cents. And people were, I mean, were giving me great stuff. And so I filled up my whole, you know, a whole site full of content without ever having to, you know, solving the, the chicken or the egg uh, network thing. Um, I mean, it's, it's great what these people will do for money. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I mean, I never, I, I guess I'm one of those people that just never thought about this before. And I, I really, you know, until you guys start mentioning some of this stuff, you know, I knew about mechanical Turk, but I really didn't know about Fiverr and didn't know to go out and find these other things. You know, I, I'd seen Odesk in the past, but never realized the true potential of it. So I think there's definitely a group of people that could be benefiting from this and hopefully we're, they're listening and we're helping them out. They're like me, and they just had no idea that this is some of the stuff they should be doing. But I love this. Like, it gets me excited now to go out and try some of this and hopefully start to drive some more traffic to my stuff. You know, I mean, I, you know take, oh. just take a, take a, you know, take a software company, a, a startup software company. Just if they do like five or six walkthrough videos, I mean, that takes like, I mean, 15 minutes. You know what I'm saying? You don't have to edit it. You don't have to do anything. Just upload it to YouTube. Put it now. You what? What you would do want to do is you want to put a really good description in there. They allow, I believe, up to a thousand words in the description. Um, you know, you can put 500 words or whatever. Just, I mean, anything. But you just put. I mean, 500 words is kind of a lot. But I mean, it's a good description. It's going to give you a very good, um, uh, you know, um, basis. It's going to give them a good basis of what your video is about, right? Other than the, the the words and everything else, they do transcribe it for you, but they do a bad job of it. So you can mm-hmm. redo the transcription, and but now you've got you know you've got five videos up there that you can just th- you can just throw links at left and right, you know. So um, you know, I actually I did, I forgot I did do one for Tweet Adder, and uh, it was a whole video of why I love Tweet Adder. 
And yeah. then and then I had my hop link <laughs> straight to tweet at her. Here's how you can go buy it. And I actually made money from it. Huh. That's cool. So and you said YouTube will do transcription of the audio? <laughs> they they transcribe it, but it's it's not good. But they oh. but they do it. Is it like uh Google Voice not good? <laughs> yeah. But that's kind of yeah. that's interesting to know. Are there other places that do free transcription or that you can do over an API? Definitely. I don't I don't have the names offhand, but there's like there's a bunch of them. Okay. Yeah, cuz I'm thinking that could also be a quick way, you know, just to create that you're saying a 500 or 1000 word description if you, you know, make the description of mostly the text that you said during the video, right? You could then use the transcription of that as your description. Uh, yeah, you could. You could. I mean, I w- that's yeah, yeah, definitely you could. Okay, as long as you made sure you said certain things during the video that you want, you know. To- I mean, if you're doing a walkthrough for a software company, I would take my time and do a good description because you're, you're probably going to get uh, you know a decent amount of views on that, and it you know, um, it's just something that people just don't do for whatever. I mean, you know, the you know, the software like uh, take. Video interviews, for example. I mean, you know, video. Well, that's probably a bad example because it's video, right? So <laughs> everyone's going to have that out there. But I mean, just any example, you know, and you can rank for that stuff pretty easily. Okay. And the part of the problem that I've had when I've done YouTube videos, and I've not done like a walkthrough YouTube video, but just you know, the stuff I thought was funny that I put up there, or whatever. And I look at it a year later, and it's got thirty-six views on it. And you're saying, yeah. you know, work on your description, spend time on that because you're going to get a good amount of views. Well, how am I going to get a good amount of views? I've never had that experience. Nobody well, views I mean, my yeah, stuff. But, well, I've got, I mean, I've got videos that have over a million views. I've got a lot of videos that have over a million views. How? Just a really popular topic or are you driving lots of traffic to the YouTube channel? Uh, I mean, just for, I mean, I've got a, I've got a dog, for instance, I've got a dog and I've, I put up a video, like you said, a funny video for a dog. Yeah. Uh, I, she hasn't, she knows a lot of tricks. I mean, it's 48, 48,000 views, I think 50,000 views. And I, wow. I, I didn't do anything for it. I mean, it's, it's a few, it's four years old. So it's, it's been a lot, it's been on there for a long time. Okay. And she does know a lot of tricks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you mentioned in here. It looks like there's another cool way called text spinning that you can generate blog posts. Well, that sounds like a little bit of a darker tactic. What does <laughs> that involve? Um, it's basically where you uh, you start off with an article, and then um, you it, it, software software programs basically can take that. It's like a big thesaurus. And every word or every sentence or whatever, it'll replace um, these words and make them unique, right? So they'll replace like the uh, – they'll replace um, uh, red with burgundy or mm. whatever. Do you know what I'm saying? Yep. And, and becomes unique over time. So it doesn't um, look like duplicate content to the search engines. Right. Now, I will say this. Google's really been hammering down on, on this uh, specific technique. You can still totally do it, and um, it still works, but you've got to do it really, really well. And um, there could be a shelf life on this you know, technique. So what do you mean really, really well? Because it seems like it's just basically up to the software to do it, and I don't really have much control over that. No, you do. You do. I mean, with the, so like uh, there's some people just say, you know, if you're being lazy about it, you're just going to say, oh, OK, uh, spin this sentence. 
you know, and it's going to do whatever it does. It's going to be like 30 or 40% unique. Okay. But you can also do like, you could do word spinning and you where you could spin almost every single word. Um, you know what I'm saying? You can spin right. anchor text. You can, you can, you can really get down. And, and the other thing is too, if you start off with a really well-written article and you pay to have that done really well, um, it works out a lot better. Well, that, so sounds, people, that sounds promising. Like that's something that could really scale. Sure. It's a darker tactic, but you know, then I could probably automate the creation of a hundred blogs and spin like five articles into a bunch of variations and now populate all those blogs. Yeah. But you know, let me just, take this back a little bit uh right. it's 2012 right now and that was popular like in 2007 oh, so okay. like i mean you know and it's like, like that right there is what you know all these a lot of these updates that google's been doing recently have been you know built specifically to stop so they're they're very good at recognizing this so that's what i'm trying to say if if, if you're going to do that it still works i mean i know people right now that are doing it still that are getting thousands of views a day, I mean, visitors a day, you know, to their sites, new sites, brand new sites, um, based hundred percent on spinning, but you've got to really know what you're doing. So, so just research the topic really, really closely and, and, and go from there, I think. And so if you're, I'm thinking like, if you're going to do something like that, does it make sense to just run an experiment for a couple of weeks on a brand new property that if for some reason, would it get penalized or just would, I guess the link juice just go down to pretty much zero and you're just not going to rank high, right? Or, yeah, or do you think that domain's going to get penalized for a while? Is there the risk of that doing text spinning? You don't want to have spun text on your, on, your, on your money domain or your converting site. Right, but on the secondary sites pointing to it. On the secondary sites, go ahead. It doesn't matter. Okay, so you can do this to something that you're actually making good money off right now without much fear, and the worst that could happen is that it just stops really sending you traffic? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Very cool. What is, uh, I'm just looking at some more of our show notes here. You've got lots of great stuff in here, but uh, image flipping, can you go into that a little bit? Uh, yeah, well, so like Google, um, they are uh, giving some credit to, to, um, to unique images. So a quick way to make them unique is to flip them um, and make them because they've actually, they can actually tell, you know, uh, based on the, 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 the image itself, you know, if it's, if it's unique or not, you flip it and it becomes unique um, in their eyes. And um, wait, you're so going anyway, to you're gonna have to explain what image flipping is because I still do not know. Well, all right. So you just take it. So you look at it. You look at it, and say the left the left hand of a person is the left hand of the person, right? You flip it, oh, and it okay. becomes either side. Okay, I see what so, you're saying. Yeah, and it's so you can search Google for any any image, and go to this. Um, you know, go to something like Convert Hub, um, and and it'll flip it for you automatically and upload it. And, and they don't detect it. that right now. No. I'm thinking that's something that they could add in real quick, but I guess if they're not doing if they're not checking for it now, then go for it, right? Yeah, that's something that they may never I mean that's something that may be under the radar so so long that, that it's just so small. Do you know what I'm saying? Like it's not a big thing. Text spinning is huge, right? Like that's a that's a big thing. So how um, does how does the image help me other than showing up in image searches? Is it actually making my content more preferable 
Like yeah. blog post is now more preferable wanna, to Google. Yeah, they definitely want to see. Yes, one hundred percent. Yeah, they want to see. Like the best case scenario is that you've got all forms of content on any on on a page. You know, you've got you've got text, video, and images. Okay. Just look at just look just look at all the blogs that have a lot of traffic and that are doing really well. You know. Uh. So, duplicate content you know, is a problem, right? If you start getting, if you're not generating enough uniqueness between, you know, this stuff, then the duplicate content's not going to count for much, right? Are there ways to check to find out, you know, if this is too similar to, you know, the other version of, of a blog post that I'm putting up? Uh, yeah, you could, they, like, they've got, you know, Copyscape is, is, is out there. Um, and they've got an API if you're, if you're scaling it, uh, to a really large um, empire, you know, they, what you does that do? It, yeah. Is that just checking to let you know this is too similar? Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, yes. Yeah, so that's that. You know, you don't need to. You don't really. I mean, you know, for example, like, I mean, you don't. I, I feel like I'm condoning. I don't. I don't want to condone spinning that much. You know, to be honest. Okay. Because I mean, it's just I, I don't want to tell the, the listeners that 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 spinning is a good thing because it's really not. I mean, it, to be honest, it's not a it's not a tactic that I would necessarily tell them. Oh, you've got to go do spinning. You know, it's not. It's it was in the past. Okay, so you should. What you should do is is you should hire people for some low hourly wage to help write these blog posts. Is that pretty much the best way to generate hundreds of blog posts right now? What, yeah, one of, yeah. What are some I mean, other? I, what are some other ways? Because this is this is kind of you know I'm 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 sticking on it a little bit here just because I have I've done probably fifty blog posts over the course of a year and a half. Mm-hmm. You know I do enjoy writing blog posts. It, it's fun and I can get pretty fast at it. And a Saturday afternoon I could probably knock out four or five of them. You know once you kind of generate a a nice model for how you do it, keep it to like. I'm sure I'm nowhere near a thousand words. I'm probably like 300, 400 words, but you know, to really scale it, like you're talking about here, let's say I want to go for it. I want to start ranking highly for some of these desirable keywords, maybe not the super competitive ones, but not the long tail ones that only get five searches a day. I want to get one that gets like a hundred searches a day or, you know, 70 searches a day, but I'm going to need hundreds of blog posts scattered around the web to accomplish this. Right. Yeah, but I mean, your your goals are different. Like, like for instance, like you, you can't put your you can't. I mean, you're a you can't put your writing skills next to somebody that you're hiring five bucks an hour, right? Right. But so, but I like the idea of hiring somebody. I'm okay with the blog posts not being as good, you know, especially if they're on secondary pages, yeah, secondary exactly. sites. I'm okay right. with that. Right. But, so. But you're saying there are other ways. What are some other ways other than hiring that guy for five bucks an hour? Well, you, well, you, well, you can buy. You can buy. I mean, you can buy. You can buy text. You know, you can buy the images. So or the uh, the posts. So like, um, um, people will write articles all day long for five, six, seven bucks an hour. Or uh, you know, they'll do it for an hour, but they also do it based on the post. You know, so like. Um, 10 bucks will get you a good post, a decent post. So, okay. I mean, you could, you could spend liter- zero time on that. I mean, a minute, less than a minute. Okay. So, have, but, but paying people is really the method then. That's the prescribed method right now. 
Yeah, because spin, I mean, spinning, spinning takes a lot of time too. You know, spinning takes time to do it right. It takes a lot of time. Okay. The only way to get really unique content is to have somebody else do it for you. You mentioned in here, uh, just switching to videos quickly, the Animoto API. How, wh- what does the API do for me? How can I automate uh, video creation? This kind of piqued my interest when I saw this. Yeah, the, the API, yeah, I mean, I probably shouldn't put the API in there. The API is for, you know, a system to, you know, a, a platform to to let their users, you know, basically use Animoto within their system. Um, and that's not really the conver- that's not really part of the conversation, I don't think. Okay. But I mean, but the but what is the? I mean, you can have your your outsource workers, you know, go to the site and create videos very quickly. It's free. Okay. Brandon, how have you? I'm kind of curious. In the past, when you because I know you mentioned during the last episode that you hate doing blog posts, right? Yeah. Yeah. So like, but then you said, I was kind of surprised during this episode, you're saying that you have done blog posts in the past and they've worked well, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So no, how, I mean, how do you that, scale that? How have you, like, how many blog posts have you shot for? And how many have you done and how do you do it? Well, with Adify, it was always, uh, so I had, a, I had a pretty good routine going where every Sunday I would sit and I would do, I would do five blog posts. So one every day and I would release it throughout the week. And it was all like, you know, the, tricks that I was doing the stuff with, you know, tweet at her and just everything that I was like experimenting with, I would just go and I'd write about it and put it out there. So, um, but I wasn't really, I, I, you know, I, I wasn't going out doing any kind of, you know, anything black hat-ish to, to drive that traffic. It was more, I was more taking advantage. That was really when I was going through just being a complete Twitter spammer. Um, and I had, you know, all my accounts that were trying different things. So I was just putting it all out there, but yeah, I hate, I hate writing, blog post i hate i hated writing the book i hated i really hate writing in general um so i i definitely should just pay people to do it right on okay what let's talk a little bit about uh links we've talked a lot about content generation now uh that's a big piece of what you got to do for seo and driving traffic but you said links are still really important in google's eyes right dave uh yeah definitely yeah so Let's talk about you know some linking strategies. What do I need to know to do links effectively? Um, well, so the first thing you got to think about is um, so on your on your converting site. Okay, you've got to set up your 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 conversion site, and I, I when I say that I mean the actual site that you're trying to sell product on or your 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 flagship site, right? So you want to set up that site very carefully, and um, what I mean by that is, is more or less you've got pages built um, for specific keywords. And so what I recommend on – I mean moving now from these secondary sites linking to your main site, actually to the main site, is write that yourself. Get that you know really good or you could – you could outsource that, and there's definitely places that can do that. You could find that will do this, but they've got to be, you know, top-notch places. Um, but you know, put you know, put long content, good content, content that's going to engage and sell. Um, but put it into a um, onto a sub page, and then basically you want to link to that sub page. So I don't recommend any more um, linking to your home page at all. 
um, your index PHP or index HTML, whatever it is. Um, I don't recommend that because this latest algorithm, the Penguin algorithm, so this was a um, page-based algorithm, which means that, um, for example, like if you if you get penalized by having too many links pointing to, um, you know, golfswing.com, for example, um, then the whole domain is kind of shot, right? Because your main your main page is down. It's not down, but it's penalized. Right. Um, that's what, and you know, like that's the that's the that's the page of, out of out of your whole entire you know site. That's the page that's going to grow naturally and get all that traffic um, and, and links um, in a natural way that people are going to link to when you put up that that really good content that kind of thing. Um, but your your sub your sub pages, um, you know, you can link to those. And since this was a page based algorithm, and, and and I think that a lot of what they're going to do in the future is going to be page based. Um, if that page gets hit, it's only like you know less than five percent of your site, less than five percent of your traffic. Mm. So it's not that big of a deal. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So I, I heard I, from I, a, I heard from an internet marketing perspective. Somebody was saying that landing pages, like customized landing pages, are always good for the different types of warm traffic that you're sending them. You know, you want to know, you know, okay, if you're coming from here, we want to send you the landing page that's got the right copyright on it, you know, the right copy to uh, to try to sell you from that angle. You know, so some people will have dozens of these landing pages, right? These secondary landing pages. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you should. I mean, you should. Yeah, you, you need to have that exact match. I mean, especially like if you're doing like AdWords, I mean, this is really old school for AdWords, but I mean, if you're doing AdWords, like you want, if somebody, you know, um, clicks on an ad that says, you know, red widgets, they want, I mean, well, you know, take the e-commerce example, right? I mean, e-commerce, you know, shops have thousands of SKUs, products that they sell, right? So like, you know, if you sell an even like Oakley sunglasses or something like that, right? Like they've got 16 different styles and somebody's searching on that exact style. When they click on an ad word, they want to like go exactly to that exact style. You know, they don't want to go to the homepage, right? Mm-hmm. Same thing, same thing with SEO. They want to see the exact style. And so that's the name of the game. You want to, you want to build your site out so that it's, so it's very diverse, very large. So anything that you're doing, you know, um, doesn't matter what what you're doing. You have to go very deep um, and focus on anything that that person could your potential customer could be typing into the search engines. It, you know, the old school way of doing it was throw everything at the homepage. Uh, new way of doing it is definitely uh, build out your site very um, siloed, which means you know putting like like topics in the same kind of buckets. And link to those buckets. Okay. So uh, I know at least in the early days with Google, they, they they weighted the anchor text highly. The words that you use, the keywords that you used, uh, in just inside the links, the linked back to your pages. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a big part of how they would determine what keywords you ranked highly for. Yeah. How does how does that shake out nowadays? How important is that nowadays? Uh, still is very important, but you, but, um, you know, you used to be able to, to just take a, take, um, something you wanted to rank for 
And the way it worked was um, whoever got the most links wins. And that's not the case anymore. Um, now they've actually um, started to roll out these penalties to, to, to deter that. Um, so now it's all based on – a lot of it is based on overall domain authority. So what you're trying to do is you're trying to get links from the highest authoritative pages you can possibly get them from. So that's that's kind of the name of the game now. Um, build up your domain overall domain authority, and like what I was talking about earlier with like uh, WordPress.com, YouTube, Twitter, all those things. The thing is, Google looks at those sites as authoritative, and they are authoritative, right? So the more links you have from those sites, the better you're going to be, and the more natural it looks because those are the sites that can really push out a lot of links, right? Right. So like, so I mean, r- really, you're you're doing a great thing by building up all these properties and linking them to your main page. Um, so, so yeah, I mean that, that a lot of it's about domain authority, um, and, and anchor text still definitely matters, but you don't want to go like too high and overdo it now. Um, you want to use a lot of, um, like right now you want to use a lot of, uh, branded terms in your anchor text. And that is, um, you know, that, that's just trying to look as natural as possible, um, with any business, um, Again, if your business is named XYZ.com, you would expect the number one um, anchor text that you that Google would see linking back to your site is XYZ or XYZ.com, right? That's the number one. That's the number one thing that they would they would see. The problem arised when they started seeing like not XYZ.com or XYZ, but actually the money term that that would. Uh, produce conversions for your site being way skewed in a higher direction, right? They know you're gaming the system. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Is there a good rule of thumb to, you know, so I want some of my links to still be that money term, but is there a good rule of thumb for how many of those I should, you know, what's the threshold? What should I be aware of and not cross over? Uh, You should... You should uh, definitely build links with your with your uh, with anchor text involved um, and build them on purpose because links definitely do matter um, these days. So, like now, um, Google is extremely good at understanding what your site's about um, from the get go. So, going back to the content, if you have the content and you've got the good content that that's that's deep and long and um, good and unique, um, they're going to see that. They're going to know what that's about, and you're going to get benefit from that. Um, Can so I then safely use anchor text that uses no, like the no no no? It doesn't no no. That like I said, it's a per, that's a prerequisite now. Okay. That's 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 the prerequisite. So pretty much all of my links should just say my brand name in them. Really? No, no, not not all. I mean, twenty like twenty five percent. You know, you can you can start twenty five thirty percent. Okay. But you also want to do what's called like um, um, like LSI related keywords, which is latent semantic indexing, which is um, kind of an older term. It's kind of out of style now, but basically, it's um, it's using like terms. So. They're going to know again. Google's going to look at it. If your if your site's about uh, a golf swing, they're going to know that that you should have links coming into your site for golf swing, golf lessons, golf tips, um, and anything else that's related. 
So you can't have all one anchor text. You want to really spread it out and be diverse. The whole name of the game now is being diverse, both in your anchor text and in the um, types of links that you receive back to your site. Okay. Which means what? What do you mean types of links? Uh, which means social from from Twitter, from YouTube, from you know Facebook, from um, other high ranking sites in your niche. Um, they benefit. They they give you extra benefit for um, for having links coming from anything that that is within your realm. So like if your site's about a golf swing. Another site linking to to you about a golf swing means like twenty x more than a link coming about horses, right? Okay. Well, I got a question for you. Would, would it be possible to um, to really destroy somebody's uh, uh, page rank by creating a bunch of total garbage websites and linking to their site? It is possible now. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, cool. Yeah, I've read yeah, about that being a problem since it is. these latest uh, it, updates. You know what though? You know what? Uh they'll they'll fix that. They'll fix that somehow, some way. I'm 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 very confident they'll fix that within six months to a year. I mean they're not gonna let that they're not gonna let that go on forever, right? So th- I think what's happened right now, here's what I think's happened. I think that they've gone too far in the direction of correction and then they're gonna adjust back somewhere in the middle. Okay. So um in other words, they, they've penalized a lot of people right now, and then they're going to adjust back, and, and it's going to – those people that are, that are still being somewhat aggressive are going to come back to the top. So we've talked now about anchor text and where you should put links and what they should link to, but now I've got to ask you, how do I scale this? I've got an hour or two maybe each night to work on this type of stuff. How do I get to the point where I have hundreds of links all working for me? Uh, well, you know, you can, again, you can go the kind of virtual assistant kind of, um, virtual worker kind of route where you've got somebody working for you and you've got to have in that case, you know, you've got to have a really good blueprint of what you want to happen, um, on a daily basis and, and they will do it for you. I mean, that, that's a good route to go. Um, you can get somebody probably for four or five bucks an hour that will, um, that will do a good job for you in getting content. You know, like I'm talking things like, uh, for example, making blog comments on, on, um, on, you know, blogs in your industry, making, uh, forum posts, uh, making YouTube comments on videos, anything they can do to get links back to your site, um, they will do. And the links, you know, are not only good for, uh, SEO or link juice back to make your site rank better, but they're also good for traffic to actually send people see that stuff and they, they go back to your site if they're doing it in the right places. So that's a good route to go. Um, you know, Linkvana is built to do that. I mean, it, it's built to do a lot of that stuff um, automatically and, and uh, fairly quickly. So that's an option. I mean, you know, as far as like link juice, we don't have people that are going to go out and do the work for you at this point in time. But um, we have definitely vetted out um, good 
uh, we've got a really good team that will build you any kind of link that you want back to your site, put it that way. Okay. Um, for very competitive rates. Um, and, um, you know, like th- there used to be a lot of, there used to be a lot of automated tools like, uh, you know, like six submitter or SC nuke, that kind of thing. And those kind of things have kind of like gone by the wayside because I mean, they're just, they're, you know, they're old. I mean, this has been a thing that's been going on for, for, you know, in 1995, there was a system called, um, uh, what was it called? Um, can't remember the name of it, but anyway, what it did, it was it basically built big directories and, and just built a bunch of, it basically searched Google, found the top results and then built a directory for you on these keywords. And Google was ranking really high. And then boom, after a few times, you know, it was like, now your sites are worth nothing, but they were, but they were making good money for a while. So it's, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, in, in the end you do the right thing. You're going to, you're going to be rewarded in the end. What about, and this may kind of be a little on the dark side, but have you guys, either Brandon or you, Dave, uh, run like you know the link report on a competitor on their domain to see all the links that are coming into them, all the inbound links, and then use that in some way to create a blueprint or to even automate based off of that list how to go out and get your links built to be the same? No. No. Do you think that's, some... That, that's, that's like... That's 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 white hat, man. Oh, that's white hat. Okay, so that's totally okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean that that's the way that that's the whole thing that SEO Moz is built on. So it's like somebody else already found all those sites that are pretty pertinent to the niche and you know the industry yeah. specific and boom, that's there's the kind thing. of a blueprint that, that's for That's the you. that's the whole thing SEO Moz is built on. That, that the number one reason why they're I mean, well, they're re, they're they're successful because of their community and their content, obviously, but also because of the tools they have. Um, and the number one tool they have is a um, is something that does exactly that. Oh, okay, and people aren't necessarily just using it for their own sites; they're using it with putting the competitor domain in there and using that to say, "Oh, now this is what I got to go do." Hundred percent. That's how you. That's how you rank. That. That. Well, that's a, that's a really good way to rank is to understand where your competitors are getting links from and then go get those links. Now, many times though, the problem with that though is many times you'll go to those sites and like for instance comments will be closed on that on that site right. or whatever you know what I'm saying um or no follow least, don't you need to be careful and look for no follow now on the relative no follow on links no actually no either one, you know you want as many do follows as you, as you can get but uh but no follows um the search I, the search engines don't look at no follows right they do definitely they do yeah okay yeah, they do. and you know if they if they don't, they will soon because it doesn't matter, right? Okay. I mean, like in the end, a link is a link. Google knows that. Okay. Excellent. Was well, there are there any last uh, words of wisdom that you want to impart? This uh, this seems like we've covered a lot of ground here. Not not really myself. We... No. Okay, great. So thanks for going over that with us, Dave. Uh, now I've, I feel like I've got a lot to go do, <laughs> a lot of stuff to go try. I'm kind of excited to start experimenting with some of this and and trying to uh, create an Odesk account, I guess, and, and go try hire some people and give this a try. So, thanks for uh, being a guest, and we'll get into some of the uh, some of the links now that were posted on Talentopoly over the last two weeks. 
All right, our first link is jQuery 1.8 released. This uh, jQuery 1.8 was released on August 9th. It's got some nice new stuff in here. Uh, I love not even the necessarily the new features isn't what gets me excited about jQuery now. I like that they continue to make it uh, more compact. They're going yeah. in and tightening the code up. They re-architected the selector engine. I mean, that's like by far the most used part of jQuery. Yep. Yep. And they've made it faster now. They see they said that they actually rewrote it twice during, <laughs> you know, before this release. So awesome. Uh, it's animations have been reimagined. So the code in there, they said it gotten kind of messy. And so this uh, Corey Frang, he just dove right in and took care of a bunch of bugs and cleaned stuff up. So that's goodness. They closed out actually more than 160 bugs for this release. Do you have any idea how many people are on that team? I don't. I do. Like they have credits in here. And it looks like uh, half a dozen or so really mm-hmm. like the big the big lifters for it, part of the jQuery core team. But and then it goes on to do special recognition for like another 20 in here. So, yeah, quite a few people involved in doing this. Is it is it 1.9 that's not going to support? Uh, it's only going to be IE8 and up, I think. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. They're going to because because like a lot of the extra code right now is still just trying to make shit wor- stuff work in IE6 and 7. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's that's kind of cool, actually. Yeah. So yeah. upgrade people upgrade. If, yeah. Although most people that are on IE six or seven, it's it's at work and they have no control over that other than install Firefox because it does not require admin privileges, people. So go to getfirefox.com. If that's blocked at work, put it on a thumb drive at home and bring it in and put it on your computer and enjoy good, fast, modern browsing. Or quit. Or quit. If that is a reasonable option for you. <laughs> <laughs> and if you are unemployed after that then send brandon <laughs> some notes saying you need I'll try to, to i'll try to hook you up support me <laughs> all right second uh link is uh boots watch free themes for twitter bootstrap yay and you were telling it- me before we started that we've my amnesia kicked in we've actually covered this in the past in an yeah. earlier episode briefly yeah. mentioned maybe <laughs> It's a uh, yes. Uh, this is when I was going on my rave about uh, Zurb Foundation, which they have a new one out that's pretty nice, too. Um, but what's funny about this is is there I don't it doesn't really like they have they don't have that many more than when we first looked at it. Yeah. There's, there's like 10 of them and they all are awful. I yeah, mean, they're, they're, they're not they're much to that. look at. They're, they're so. pretty much like. It, to me, it just looks like some color changes. I'm sure yeah. it's a little deeper than that. But just looking at the quick gallery here, it's kind of like, well, you know, couldn't I have just chosen a color palette in five minutes and done all of these? You know, dude, that's exactly what this is. This is this isn't. So here's here's my prediction. This isn't a designer who's making these. This right. is this is mainly a developer who you know, had, has some, some design, but the colors are awful. The fonts are awful. (laughs) I mean, it's, it's, it's bad. And whoever it is, you know, I think, I think it's great because you can at least not make it look like, I mean, superhero isn't bad, which is one. No, it's awful. Never mind. (laughs) Um, yeah, this this thing is, uh, they're, they're gross. Don't check it out. I like the idea behind it though. Yeah. yeah, I got excited. We just need to get some like real designers doing some, you know, just awesome, insane stuff. Yeah bootstrap is is here to stay yeah uh, it'd be great you know especially if some of those top dribble designers you know they could probably sell 
a great theme for 25, 50 bucks easy and probably sell <laughs> thousands of it. But the problem, the problem with all the dribble de- designers is that they don't know how to do an HTML or CSS. <laughs> <laughs> so there's yes. a market opportunity for yeah. somebody here. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, our next uh, link. Wait, is, wait, wait, wait! Is this, surely this isn't like there. There's got to be other ones that have better stuff. Because if not, my lord, there is the market right there. Yeah, I don't know. If you find one, post it on Townopoly. Let us know. Because mm-hmm. I'm on the lookout. I'm always interested in that sort of thing. Especially, you know, I wouldn't want to just use it and not modify it at all. I would go in and use it as a starting point and customize it some more. But. You know, it'd just be nice to have more options than just the standard Twitter bootstrap theme to start Rap, with. Rapbootstrap.com, W-R-A-P, bootstrap. And it, it, they actually have – now, these are paid. These are not free. I mean, and they're looking like they're ranging anywhere from 20 to $4, but – you, That's not can, bad. Yeah, they've got they've got some pretty unique stuff in here. It looks like Ooh. they have a lot of admin themes, yeah, which are really ad, nice. The base admin is nice. Yeah, so that that one's that one's this is pretty cool. Yeah, this, this is, this not is too significantly shabby nicer. Yes, you know, admin themes work very well for web apps in general. I, I don't have any problem with admin themes. The mm-hmm. only ones I've ever bought are admin themes, and I, I still use them on some projects today. You saw one of them that looks very Windows XP. <laughs> like, oh yeah, that's as you right. said, but you know that. They, they work pretty well. ThemeForce has kind of been my go-to place in the past, but I'm liking most of the ones on this wrapbootstrap.com. This is nice. Yeah, this is really cool. Which one do you, stands out the most to you here? Man, I'm 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 now in this base admin. Yeah, and uh, you know you know what it does look like. Oh no no. So you get you get another CSS file that you're obviously going to download um, that is outside of of the Bootstrap. You know, like they've got widgets and stuff in here. But my, it's yeah, it's like charting, very right? nice. I wonder what they're using for their charting. Well, let's find 20 out. bucks, though. Jeez. That's, I know, 20 bucks. It's nothing. This is great. Yeah, it's just a canvas. No, oh, okay. It's a canvas-based charting library. Yeah, something in there. Cool. Right on. All right. Our next link is DMD Panorama Opens API to Power Panoramic Photos in Any App. Uh, this is an a app called DMD Panorama. And what they they've done some cool stuff with their app. You know, they've got it working pretty nice where you just start taking the photo and then you move the camera a little bit and it kind of stitches it up automatically as you move it around. So pretty nice there. But they realize that hey, there are tons of these panorama things out there and you know the it's only a matter of time before the base camera apps in Android and, and maybe it does in Android, but in iOS and others really start supporting this just natively. So they see the writing on the wall. They're going to become a commodity quickly. So yeah. what they're doing is kind of interesting here is that if you have an, uh, an app that ta- that can use photos. So let's say they give the example in this TechCrunch article of a postcard app. You have a really nice postcard app, and you want to allow your users to embed the panoramic uh, photo into it. You can now use their API to do that so that what happens is you give the user the choice of, oh, I want to take a panoramic a panorama photo, boom, click that, it's going to open this other app, they they take their photo, it stitches it all together, and then throws that photo back into your app, so now you can embed it in the postcard. So do you? I, I'm I'm quickly trying to read through this. Is this um, is it web based or is it is it an iOS uh, API that you're actually taking and installing into your your app? You know? That made me curious as well because I wasn't aware of the ability in iOS to be able to 
have apps like that talk to each other? Well, but so like a couple of the ones that I've run into are they're more where you just actually install the library. You put the library into your code base. So it's not right. And then it talks to a server. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what it looks like this is having to do because there's no way to do contracts between apps. Yeah. Just on iOS. So some, you know, I think it's exactly what you're saying where it's using that library and it know it can at least open up that other app to start mm-hmm. with, you know, using a link or something that then opens the native app and then it knows how to associate that back, you know, when you go back into the probably just because it looks at your it just gives you a gallery of your last photos or something. And <laughs> this, says, com- this company's name is Dermander. <laughs> They're Durmandar. out of Lebanon. Dur. Yeah. Beautiful. Some smart guys in Lebanon. Pretty cool. And they actually have some funding and everything. The app itself has been downloaded four and a half million times. Gracious. Yeah. So if you if you want to give your users of your mobile apps the, the ability to take those types of photos, check that out. All right, our fourth link is GitHub's CSS style guide. Do you like looking at style guides, Brandon? What do you, like, what are your thoughts on style guides? Um, no, I no. don't. I, I, how, how do know, I I'll, I'll go that through them just to kind of see, you know, what people are doing and how they're structuring it, and I'll pick out. I'm like, oh, I really like how that is, and so I'll take that and I'll start just making it into my own. Um, but no, I, I don't. I don't do style guides really. I like the file organization that they detail in here. They yeah, have I didn't. Oh, okay, there we go. Under Components, styles, yeah. plugins. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, that is yeah. nice. I really like to break my CSS out like that too. You know, I don't do the one big file with header, you know, comment headers to break it up. Or anything. I want separate files because I don't want to open a three thousand line CSS file. Yeah, I want three hundred lines maximum. And so, the here the components is kind of cool. That would be like comments or listings. Then you've got globals. So just variables for their SAS and responsive helpers, browser helpers, things that are just going to apply to every page. And then plugins, obviously very plugin-specific stuff goes in there. Your sections, so that probably maps to your controllers. Mm-hmm. That would be like you have an issues you know, set of pages, your issues controller, your profile has its own CSS file. And then there's shared, which that part – is a little interesting to me because that, that, that's almost the, seems that's like the catch all. <laughs> yeah. You got globals and shared. Meh. But your forms and markdown and things like that can go in there. So I guess No, it, it makes that makes sense because you it's very possible that you might not have any forms on multiple pages. True. True. So, you know, the globals, I assume the globals need to be everywhere. Where the shared are probably elements that, you know, you you might have this widget. That is, you know, on on two pages, but nothing else. That, but, I and guess. that is That's where you get into the, you get into the question, though, at that point of are you creating multiple compiled versions of all of this so that you're pulling in, you know, a, mm-hmm. you know, but that has its disadvantages because then you go to a page all of a sudden four clicks in and you're pulling down a brand new CSS file that's compiled of parts of this and you don't get the advantage of, well, I've already pulled it down from the first page and it's cached. Well, are they do? Or do they talk about that at all? Yes, they're using sprockets. They're using Rails and for GitHub. Okay. And so they've got sprockets, which is part of what Asset Pipeline uses now. So they're using the pre-compilation. They're compiling this, the all those uh, SAS files. They use SCSS, which is just syntax choice within SAS, and they're compiling it all together. But they don't really get into exactly how they 
the, I couldn't tell from looking at this. If it does say it, I'm just not smart enough to figure this out from my quick glance at it. But it doesn't look like they're telling you that you have to use the one and only mm-hmm. compiled version. Or if you can just compile your own, like, oh, well, on this page, I don't have forms and I don't do markdown and I don't have comments or listings. And so I'm just going to make this more compact. You know, I guess you could choose to do that, but I'm not sure why you go through the trouble. Just throw it all into one CSS file and be done with it. Yeah, yeah, agreed. But I do like how they broke that out. It's very logical. Uh, Our last link, number five, things I didn't know about the WebKit inspector. Which which inspector do you like using, Brandon? Are you using... Firebug, WebKit. No, you know, I, I was obsessed with Firebug, and then Firefox just pissed me off so much that that's when I started using Chrome, and now I've gotten completely comfortable using Chrome uh, and the WebKit inspector. Um, you know, I'll sometimes hop back and forth between Safari, but in Safari's new one in 6, um, it's it's like all the super tiny icons, like no labels. I So I, I – but yeah, so I'm, I'm all about Chrome's inspector now. Okay. The, or I, any of them. Maybe it's in there. Correct me if I'm wrong here, but I love Firebug's layout op. You know where you can see the layout. You have you seen that where it's like a box and then it shows the padding and margins coming off of it over on the right hand side. I don't. I don't think they do have anything like that. Yeah, they don't have that WebKit, and I really like that. I, maybe I have this like unnatural, you know, dependency on that. But and I'm kind of surprised that other. I don't hear other people say that they miss that in the WebKit inspector. No, I do like the 3D view. You do? Yeah, I do. I actually use it just to kind of see how how like how insane my DOM is. <laughs> and I'll go through and be like, oh my god, you know, go through and dig dig around and try to clean things up. So I do. I mean, I don't use it all the time, but I will use it when I go in there. But no, I'll check out the other one again. I just, I you know, uh, I, Firefox just the memory problems with it just drive me crazy. And, and I, so I just, I can't, I just can't do it. I want to, I want to, I want to give up Chrome. Like I want to get rid of Google in my life, um, but I can't. It's kind of like, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I want to get rid of my iPhone and my iPad and replace it with other things, but I can't because I'm just so dependent on various nuances of them. Uh, there is Firebug Lite. Which is cross browser? Yeah, you know, but, I, I. But again, now the Firebug Lite, in my opinion, doesn't doesn't cut the mustard compared to what the native one does. Totally agree. So, do you ever uh, actually code any CSS in the inspectors? Have oh, you ever done that? All the time. Okay. All the time. Like I'll go in and. You know, I'll, I'll kind of take my guess of where I think things are going to be positioned when I'm doing my CSS, and then I refresh the page. It's not there. Then I actually go inspect the element, adjust my CSS, and now I copy and paste. But there's something saving, uh, saving the file, uh, the CSS tweaks using the inspector. Do you ever do debugging in the inspector? Oh, yeah. Yeah, all the time. So now you can do debug on DOM modifications is one of the things in this article one of the five things people may not know about, which you can right-click on element and enable break on subtree modifications. So whenever that script traverses through there and, and does something to modify it, boom, the debugger will kick in. That way you don't have to have the debugger on from the very beginning. Oh, that's cool. Now, do you know if that's – does that stay um, uh, across refreshes? Don't know. I've not tried that. Yeah, I'm going to have to play around with that. That's pretty cool. They've got a styles button, so you can just add in some new styles. Actually, I mean, it's right there. I just mm-hmm. never really noticed it or played with that before, but that's good to know. I'm always afraid of 
doing a lot of that styling though in the inspector, just that I may not copy and paste it back out, and then maybe I close it and they're like, oh, I just lost <laughs> I've five done that minutes multiple times. Yeah, so I, I will kind of take the longer route and do my styling in my style sheets, and then do the refresh. Yeah, well, you're all organized and perfectionist like that. I'm much more <laughs> of a messy. Hey, there's, there's something to be said for that, though. You're probably much faster. I, I just, I'm doing the refresh probably way too much. Uh, so, oh, they, you can save the CSS file directly from the inspector, of course, too. But, you know, I, I, I will forget to do that sometimes. So that's why I yeah. just don't do it. I do like this go to in the sources pane so that you can very quickly go to a file or go to a line within a file. Kind of like a text editor mm-hmm. lets you do. It's kind of neat to be able to jump around. And then you can also favorite an expression or variable value. So that <laughs> I never, I've never heard of that. That's great, though, I think. Yeah, I it think. adds <laughs> it to the watch expression list. So you re- refresh the values if you modify them directly or just watch them change while the code runs. It's kind of oh, neat. Yeah. Yeah, and this X, the the XHR debugger, I, I never realized that. So, like, breaking when a URL contains a certain, uh, you know, certain anything. I mean, right. For it's your crazy. It, it, you know, really, like, there's just so much stuff you can learn. It's just, it's so overwhelming. You know, Absolutely. we use all these things every single day. Now, and, this, the, know, I don't know why this gets such a small mention in here, because to me, this is mind-blowing. I did not know about this at all. Load events timeline saved by another person so a coworker finds a problem in the javascript instead of them just showing you a screenshot oh, they can save hell. the timeline send it to you and then you can just play it back on your end how cool is that uh, that's available is that available in chrome that's in the webkit inspector so it should be available in safari as well yeah yeah because it looks like they're it looks like the the ones that they have here are safari yeah um my, that's How awesome. cool is that? Timeline. Yeah, yeah now they just need record. to have... Boom. Now, yeah, like just attach that to your bug report. Just fire it off. Killer. That's awesome. All right. Well, that concludes this episode of the Talent Athlete Podcast. As always, if you like what you heard, and we hope that you did, go check us out on iTunes or any of the other myriad of sites that we have posted this podcast up on and write a quick review or just upvote us. Say that you love us, say we're great, and hopefully some more people will start to see us in the rankings and discover our podcast. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time.